The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes at Australia's best footballing publication. This week we've been working harder than Archie Thompson's close control coach, covering the A-League, Socceroos and world football. This week I'm joined by publisher Andy Jackson. Morning. And Deputy Editor Trevor Drahan. Hello. With his uh, bright teeth <laughs> completely dazzling. Ice white smile. There he is. <laughs> tell us, tell everyone why you uh, missed out on a few A-League games over the Christmas uh, break, Trev. I was in Thailand. Um, I went to an Australian dentist for the first time in, in 10 years, a couple of weeks back. They quoted me the most ridiculous amount of money I've ever heard. So I flew over to Thailand and got it done on the cheap. And it was the most fantastic dentist I've ever been to in Thailand. Absolutely brilliant. In. They are good, yeah. yeah. Perfect crowns, just some laser whitening. I've got a bleaching kit at home, which I was doing last night, but I was thinking, what am I doing with myself? <laughs> Why am I bleaching my teeth? But yeah, so I recommend it for anyone. Dental tourism. Dental tourism way forward. Mm-hmm. Boob job next. <laughs> there you go. We'll all be coming over for a feel <laughs> at lunchtime. And Andy, how was your I break? I said, was a bit of a tip. <laughs> <laughs> and good break for yourself? Yeah, mate, yeah. Uh, my... Uh, my Pug, Jack Russell Cross, Aston went for his second knee reconstruction, so I was working hard on his rehabilitation. It's actually called Aston after Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. of course it is. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it is. Uh, Yeah, so he he did his second uh, cruciate ligament, so he had his knee reconstructed, the other one, so he's had both done there. And uh, luckily, we've got pet insurance for him, which is a a sign of our house when the dogs have pet insurance and we don't have health insurance. (laughs) Well, it's great. It's not just football on this podcast. It's dental tourism and pet insurance. So uh, maybe we can get some sponsors off uh, off these guys (laughs) and uh, uh, give us a little bit of pocket money. But on to the stuff that you're obviously tuning in to listen to, which is uh, some A-League football and world football. And we're going to go back to, wow, seems like a long time ago now, back to the, the Christmas period for some of the games. Uh, when we last spoke to you, I think it was uh, Sydney against Central Coast coming up on the 23rd. Yeah, 18th is the last and, podcast, uh, just before the Christmas party. The, the, the less said about that game, the better. Uh, Sydney Central Coast. Less said about that Christmas party, the better as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The stuff you got up to anyway. No wonder you needed your teeth whitened. Uh, but the uh, first game we'll look at is uh, the 26th of December, Boxing Day, as it's known in some parts of the world. Gold Coast against Brisbane Raw. And uh, Gold Coast threw down a marker with a 5-1 win. Yeah, it hammered them. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked good for, for Brisbane when they, when they notched early for Mackay. But, but from there on in, it was pretty much all Gold Coast. And uh, when Christian Reese scores two against you, you know, things aren't going well. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what prompted Craig Moore to, to hop it back over to Scotland. But, um, but yeah, it was a bit of a sort of shot for, for Raw because they'd started playing a bit better and getting some results under Ange for the first time and then this really sort of um, dumped them back on their arse again so we'll, we'll see how they bounce back from that yeah and uh, Shane Smell's pretty much uh, tied up the, the top scorer isn't he with, with yeah I mean that, that's 18 goals he's got this season which is you know incredible return we've basically hit the level that we would have done sort of last season where he, where he got 12 for up to sort of round 21 so to get 18 goals it's interesting how important he is to the Gold Coast like he's got 18 of their 32 goals 
which what you know what percentage is that Trevor? I can tell you that because you can 50, s- it? it is it's 56.2% but what they always said about Wellington was a one man team with Smelts but last season he got 52% of these goals so Gold Coast are even more of a one man or scoring wise team with Smelts than uh, Wellington ever were yeah and do we think that Gold Coast now are, are you know they've found their found their feet now and they're they're going to obviously be a force to be reckoned with after Sydney and Melbourne can they be considered uh, in a is there a top three or is there a top two and then everyone else I, I always fancy Gold Coast even before they started playing to be one of those sort of teams that will throw up you know a spanking on someone but also get hammered themselves so even you see a result like this I wouldn't be surprised in the next coming weeks you'll see them get heavy defeat but if this is the time to hit form going into the last sort of six seven games before the finals throw up and spanking it sounds like your Thailand holiday <laughs> yeah. again, doesn't it really <laughs> Uh, Andy, where do you see Gold Coast? Do, yeah, they, uh, can I, they, do they deserve to be considered in that echelon with Sydney and Melbourne? or Probably just about, I think. I'd probably say that Sydney and Melbourne are the top two, then Gold Coast are on their own in third, and then there's the rest. Um, I certainly think that if you are Sydney and Melbourne, the team you want to avoid in the finals in the second week, it would be Gold Coast, you know, because I think that they've, they've got the quality if everyone's fit, if Schmelz... Um, Kalina, Porter and Miller are all fit then that they'll hurt any team if, they, if they're on song and um, it was good to see a decent crowd there as well yeah. got 10,000 which was uh, encouraging that's great uh, another game on the 26th and, a, and another spanking handed out Perth Glory against Newcastle Jets Perth coming out 4-0 winners yeah, another another promising run comes to a shuddering end with the Jets that <laughs> uh, strung a few decent results together and then went there and, and didn't really turn up at all I mean uh, and Jamie Harmwell, you know, he can't keep trying to sort of like squeeze him out, but he keeps coming back and scoring mm. goals. Uh, and he played well. You know, he's, he's a, the old-fashioned sort of target man, but he has got a good eye for goal. He's, the header was a, was a cracking header. Um, and yeah, Sek- Sokolovsky got him off to a decent start from the free kick, but Newcastle really didn't turn up for this game. They were, yeah. they were really poor. Do you think that Harnwell now is better known for his strike? You know, is he no- will he now be go down as a striker, better known as a striker or as a defender? Because like he hardly plays in defence now, unless he's no, got, I mean, unless I, needed. Yeah, I mean I can't remember playing for in the defence since probably season one. Yeah, um, so he's like that Chris Sutton, you know, started yeah. off in the centre. <laughs> Dion Dublin didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Trev, th- thoughts on that game? I, I know you were probably watching it on the dentist chair, looking up with a little TV. <laughs> day I was there actually, boxing day. Yeah. Hand stroked and. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's so like saying you good run for the Jets, you know, one four on the bounce and then go and lose, but it's a tough place to go. Um, Perth, but in terms of Perth actually going on and, and winning this competition and making an impact, I was looking at today and I think they've got absolutely no chance. And the reason is we say about how poor they are away from home, right? They've lost seven of their 11 games away from home this yeah. season, right? They're currently in fifth. And the way that the finals work is that if you're down there, you've pretty much just got a run of away games all the way through. So fifth will go away to fourth. So if they manage to get through that, they've got a way to winner versus third versus sixth, then they're a way to the loser of first versus second, then they're in the grand final, and they're obviously a way to the winner of first versus second. So to win it from where they are at the moment, they're going to have to win four away games on the trot. And seeing as the, you know, they've barely done that all season, I certainly can't see them going on and winning the tournament. Yeah, they'll be the team that those higher teams will be want to be playing, won't they? Yeah, if you can get home them. targets, Perth, then you know you'd really fancy them. Be, uh, be happy with that. Then on the twenty seventh, uh, Sydney FC against Adelaide United. Uh, Sydney running out one nil winners with a, a goal from Steve Corica. Yeah, I mean one nil probably <laughs> flat at Adelaide. To be fair, Sydney were pretty dominant in this to only win one nil, and that again is 
probably one of Sydney's problems that this game highlighted is that they do struggle to put teams away. Mm. Um, and again, in the finals, that may come back to hurt them because it does leave them susceptible to a, to a late goal. And particularly then when you're looking at games potentially going to extra time and penalties, that could cost them. But they, they, they still play decent football. Um, the Vitska obviously signing on for another year has uh, created history for Sydney FC. They're actually going to have the same coach for two seasons running, which is ridiculous <laughs> to say. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, the players still seem to be playing for him. There's no discontent coming out of Sydney FC, which again is a first. Um, so I think they're, they're in good shape, you know. And, and you always say that if, if you're going to win the league, you know, you need to be able to win games 1-0. And they seem to be capable of doing that. And then when we're going to talk about Melbourne next... You know, that was a, a big weekend, that, I think, because um, Sydney ground out of 1-0 at home and Melbourne going to North Queensland and losing was a, was a critical point in the season, I think. Yeah, and, and Trev, uh, Adelaide have got a game in hand, but could this be the... Could this, they're at the bottom of the league, but could, it, could this game... Can we look back at this and say maybe this is where they were... They cut loose at the bottom and uh, all, all chances were lost. Yeah, I mean, perhaps I mean, it's arguably the toughest game they're going to have you know, all season going away to Sydney, but they're very much rooted to the bottom. They've got a game in hand, but they're three points behind the Fury just above them and they're five points away from making the playoffs. So I think we can pretty safely say now, bar a fairly incredible run, that they're not going to make the playoffs and they're going to go into the Asian Champions League um, this year on, on fairly bad form. Mm. Yeah, well, Andy mentioned it just a second ago, spoiling it for everyone. Now we know that <laughs> Melbourne victory uh, travelled to North Queensland and lost 1-0 thanks to uh, Dyron Dahl's 30-second minute strike. Um, so it's safe to say that it's Melbourne's worst performance of the season by some stretch. So they just didn't really turn up. They yeah, were, they were very poor, very poor. All across the pitch, you know, there wasn't really anyone that, that had a decent game. Um, Dyron Dahl, you know, bit hit and miss, but... God, I tell you, he scores some decent goals. He's got some quality, but it's a bit like Ronaldo, Ronaldo for uh, Brisbane. You know, it's like he flits in and out of games, yeah, doesn't he? And, and he scores some crackers, but then other times he just looks awful. The yeah. first game I saw him, their first game, I was convinced he was going to be the worst player in the A League. But I don't think I mean, he literally just landed, didn't he? But yeah, he's yeah. a great ball in as well from Fowler. You know, just that little bit of vision just to pick him out in the box. But he still had a lot to do and did it. Did it really well. So. And Fowler's kind of gone off the ball from the scoring point of view, but he's still contributing a lot to the team, isn't he? Yeah, and I, th I think with Dahl getting a run in the side, he's become like the figurehead of the attack. And I think Fowler's dropping a bit deeper off him. Uh, as you saw with that goal, you know, it's Fowler that was dropping wide and playing the ball in, whereas previously it was Fowler who was the focal point of the attack. So he, the onus was on him to get in the box. So, um, and I think he's got the quality to do that. So I think it, yeah. it's similar as we saw with Dwight York. In season one, you know, Yorkie started off playing up front but quickly realised that he wasn't going to get the service and ended up dropping deeper and deeper and then ended up going to the World Cup as a defensive midfield player. Yeah, and it makes them a little bit le uh, less predictable, doesn't it, with Fowler moving around there. Out of the four teams, Trev, in the, in the bottom half, uh, or, or out of the playoff picture, should I say, mm -hmm. do, do you think Queens, uh, North Queensland could be the team to, to put a run together? I mean, looking at Wellington Central Coast, obviously on a bad tear. Um, no, you wouldn't pick Fury as the one to to possibly make the sixth. I don't think so. No, I, I don't. Th I, I think they've still had a reasonable season, considering the players they got on board and the investment, and you know a new manager and what have you. I don't think they've done too bad. It sounds a bit strange for a team, you know, ninth out of ten. But if they could pick up a few more results and end up sort of seventh, eighth, just outside the playoffs, I think that's a, a fair crack for a first season, considering you know how they put themselves together. Yeah, and especially how they start. Right. I mean, if you look at the the table, as has been the case most of the season 
is there's still only four points between fourth and ninth. You know, so any of those teams, mm. North Queensland included, could end up in the top six and just as easily Newcastle are in fourth. I mean, we've seen what's happened to the Mariners over the last three weeks. You know, they were, they're up there in third and now they're um, back down in eighth. You know? yeah. So I think there's still, there's still enough games and as Branco said, you know, the teams around there are all capable of beating each other. I won't say that they're all shit, um, but they're certainly all capable of taking points off each other. So I, I think it will end up going down to the last week. As to who ends up in the top six? Yeah, and as Andy said, the uh, the fall of the the once high flying Central Coast Mariners continues uh, on New Year's Eve. They played the Wellington Phoenix in the kind of traditional New Year's Eve game that they have up there, and uh, they ran out two two nil losers thanks to a couple of goals from Paul Ifill. He really is uh, one of the most consistent players in the A-League, Paul Eiffel, wasn't he? You know, every week he seems to put in a decent performance, whereas some players will flit in and flit out and might not turn up for the odd yeah. week. But I feel looks uh, consistent, doesn't he? I think he's a lock-in for import of the season, isn't he, at the, uh, the awards. But yeah, I mean, the Mariners, not only have they kind of slipped away, but they got, you know, good results. But they got fantastic results, like, you know, smashing Melbourne and, and stuff like that. You, you really felt like they could carry on but I really want Wellington to make the top six and we'll talk about it in a, in a little bit I think but you know Eugene Daddy going there as well um, you know that's a massive boost Him, if he can link up well with Eiffel then that could be you know talk about the team capable of making that run into the playoffs then I think it'll probably be them mm. I just thought as well I mean the thing that made me laugh over this period was well, I think it was Alex Brosk who was coming out and saying that the fixture pile up is really taxing you know I was like Fixture pile. <laughs> it's like they played like two games in a week, you yeah. know. And it's like for all these players that have got aspirations of going to Europe, you know, like they should be welcoming playing two games at decent intensity in a week because, you know, you look at the Premier League teams, you look at someone like, like Villa, for instance, Villa playing seven games in 20 days. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they're like the Carling Cup semi final, FA Cup, Premier League, midweek games, you know, and that that's. You know, if, they, if they're wanting to go to Europe and they've still got an eye on going to Europe, then a fixture pile-up is not two games in a week yeah. over Christmas, once in the season. Yeah. Great stuff, lads. That's all we've got time for in this section. That was a look back at all the games over the holiday period. Coming up next, we're going to dissect the Socceroos' uh, performance in Q8 and have a look at some of the news that's taken place uh, not only this week but over the holiday period as well so join us then the new issue of 442 is on sale now this month we speak exclusively to liverpool and england superstar steven gerrard and socceroo luke wilkshire as both look forward to the world cup in south africa our man trev gets flown to germany by adidas for a first look at the official world cup ball and as a european transfer window opens we look at some of the hottest property likely to be on the move including Sergio. Gio Aguero, David Silva and Luis Fabiano. And if that wasn't enough, there's a free 2010 World Football Wall Planner to make sure you don't miss any important dates in this massive year of football. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. Back to 442 Insider. Back to the 442 Insider podcast, and now we're going to have a look at the uh, game that took place overnight. If you're actually listening to the podcast today, that would be uh, Socceroos went into a 2 0 lead but ended up uh, throwing the game away. Would that be fair to say? Uh, with a 2 all draw, um, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not sure they threw it away. Um, I think they played well for the first four or five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they actually played quite well for the first 20 or 25 minutes, and then. 
then there was a half hour period where they just sort of went to sleep it appeared and Q8 got completely on top um, I mean there were some real concerns there for me it was Craig Moore at the back um, for the was it the first goal yeah the yeah. first goal where Colosimo misjudges the header and misses it and Moore just sort of ambled back in and the pitch was dodgy no doubt about that the pitch was awful but it was the same for both teams but given that the pitch was bad why he then just ambles between the man and the goal and lets the guy get it under control you know he put no pressure on the ball at all just thought that getting in between the, the ball and the goal was was enough and it wasn't you know the guy had time to bring the ball down pick his spot and he buried it and then you look at the second goal again individual errors Kemp caught out of position for the ball inside him Galekovic going for something that is near post with his right foot not sure about that mm. um, you know so you look at it there's probably four individual errors that have cost them a goal Colosimo and Moore for the first goal Galekovic and Kemp for the second you know and, and I think again we've just seen the, the gulf between the first choice and, and the best of the rest really I suppose the worrying thing is is that when you look at those mistakes and those names that you've just given the, the one that is a concern is Craig Moore in the yeah. sense that he is going to be starting in the World Cup. We, we can take mistakes from the other boys if that's, if that's going to be yeah. the case, but Craig Moore is a, is a worry because who, who's going to step in there? I mean, we were talking about when we were watching it, and my concern about Craig Moore is he seems to have got this like, sort of demeanour now and, and the way he looks is that he's sort of going through the motions in a way and thinking that his experience is going to get him through, and, and it's not. You know, he, he's getting caught in possession in the A-League. He's get, got caught in possession today. He got caught out of position today. And I'm, I'm just concerned that, you know, at the World Cup level, you know, what are the German strikers going to do to us? Had Spranovic yeah, as an option, didn't he? Was, he was yeah, in the squad, but didn't make the, the bench. Squad. Well, that's, yeah. that was the, you know. one of my questions that you've now just jumped into. I've ruined everyone. <laughs> made me look like a really bad journalist, <laughs> which is probably accurate. Uh, but I, I suppose what, what I could ask you, Trev, is you know, what can we read into the people that he didn't play? You know, Brosk wasn't uh, playing. Spranovic was, was there, but um, not on the bench. Is, is that a concern? I mean, because if, if, if you're going to play Spranovic and give him a run out, Yes, yesterday or the last night was the time to do it. Is it does it say to you that uh, that Verbeek has made up his mind pretty much who he's going to bring? Yeah, I mean he must be using these Asian Cup games, you know, to to get an idea of who he's going to play at the World Cup. It's almost sort of a blessing in disguise. He hasn't got some of his top players because it's a perfect opportunity to experiment. So yeah, I mean the players that he's picking, he must be thinking, you know, potentially if they put a run together or really impress me, they could go to the World Cup. Um, I suppose quite interesting looking at the game with the two holding midfielders, which is such an important part of the soccer setup and that formation. Got to make sure we've got the right players there and cover. So obviously you've got Grella and Kralina who are definitely going. Even though Valeri's not playing a lot, I'd imagine he'd probably go as well. Um, Milay Jedniak, I'm not 100% sure on him. He'd done a couple of all right touches, but he sort of lumbered around the midfield a little bit. And I'm not quite sure a go. Luke Wilshire, however... I thought was fairly good and as the sort of main senior player or one of the main senior players there I thought he sort of stepped up a little bit and well, done a, done a good that job benefit of, of you know flexibility and that he can play full back he can play holding midfield he can even play wide you know a wider more advanced midfield if he wants and his and his delivery is generally good you know if he gets wide he can get across him um, I, I don't think bar Wilkshire there was probably anyone on that pitch that really came out of it any better than they went into it. I don't think anyone really put their hand up. Um, and I, I can see the Socceroos squad not having a single A-League player in it. 
Yeah. Do you think now Craig Moore's comfortably? Gone, yeah, you you know, and, and I, I'm. Do you know what? I mean, the player for me that, that wasn't in the squad that I think is putting his hand up in another way is Kisnorbo because I thought he, he had an excellent game at Old Trafford in the Cup. Yeah. He's playing it week in, week out. He's playing a tough league. He's younger. He's quicker. He's prone to the odd mistake, as we saw in the Asian Cup. But I think that's you know, that's three years ago. He's got more experience. And for me, I'd be looking at Kisnorbo to, to partner Lucas Neal ahead of Craig Moore. And I think another player, you know, who didn't play in this particular game, but quick put, like Reese Williams, who's been playing in the centre for Middlesbrough. And I watched him the other day, and he's doing well. Can play at right-back, can play at centre-back. Got such a small squad, you're going to pick the more versatile players. I think I think Reese will go as well. But we've talked about it quite a lot in the podcast about, you know, the bolters and who might possibly make it. Do you think from this game that... It's shown that Pim really doesn't know who he's going to take already. I think he yeah. likes that Vidasic, and I think he looked all right again in patches, had a few nice touches, but it wasn't exactly a performance that blew you away, and he went missing for large periods as well. But I think Pim's got it in his mind that you know he might go as well. Yeah, I think the interesting one will be the Indonesia game because I think that falls on a FIFA date, and they still need to get something out of it. They need a, they need a draw to be certain. Um, so I think that will be a really interesting squad and a really interesting team because then we're on a real countdown because he's got, what, probably two or three games left. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who he picks in defence for that game. I mean, Nick Cole had a couple of good crosses, uh, especially from the dead ball, I think, from the first goal, but um, didn't really grab that chance when you consider, you know, when you consider a lot of people are clambering him for this, to get a, a starting spot in the Socceroos in some shape or form when he's supposedly in a weaker team and he's going to be the man. He didn't really take his chance very well, did he, Trev? Well, there's a lot of um, you know people who aren't impressed with Holman. I don't think Holman should be part of the setup. And, and when they say who should replace him, they'll normally quite you know Nicky Carl. Um, I'm not sure. I probably tend to agree him, but he he had a good opportunity today to to make an impact, and it didn't really work for him. And I, I was saying he's run out running out of opportunities now. It was yeah, it wasn't a great pitch for someone no. like Carl. But it's then terrible. again, we always seem to be. With Nick Carl, we always seem to be finding excuses for him not taking his chance again. You know, oh, it didn't, yeah, it didn't, he didn't suit the system. The pitch wasn't great, and you know, for for all the maligning of, of Brett Holman, he is playing in the Eredivisie week in week out, and he's playing in the Champions League. You know, and he's got, you know, that that says something. And you know, if you're looking for people that have got that experience, then he's. He would have to be ahead of the pecking order than Nick Carl for me. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about the the formation uh, when we were watching the game, and the rigidity of uh, Verbeek to play the formation first and foremost over the players he has. Did we feel that the formation worked with the players he had, or should he have been playing a, a different way? I know that he uh, brought Rukovitsa on at the end and, and played two up front with Thompson for a little while, but. Um, do you think that maybe Verbeek needs to be a little bit looser in, in, in how he sets um, his team out? I guess it depends on what, what the priority is. If the priority is to look at who is going to be the, the remaining people on the plane to South Africa and he knows he's going to be playing 4-2-3-1 in South Africa, then the players have to be able to fit into that system. If he's looking at getting a result against Kuwait, um, then maybe he needs to show a bit more flexibility. But, you know, he's... And again, you know, looking at what what is Pim for Bake's priority? You know, he's pretty much said he's not going to be around after the World Cup. Um, so does he really care about the Asian Cup? You know? Yeah. Especially when Graham Arnold will probably be coaching for it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are warm-up for the World Cup games, I think. You know, that, that's how I view them. Still won't be interested in the Asian Cup until the World Cup's over, really. And I think Pim's probably thinking the same. And I also think that deep down, I think Pim will be really, really happy 
that the game in March means something because he can then call on the European guys and his World Cup squad. The game against Indonesia, now it's actually a live game rather than a dead rubber, which it would have been if they won, means that he can call on the European guys and they have to come. Whereas if they'd have won that and it was a dead rubber, you know, is he going to endear himself to David Moyes and that of calling Cahill and Lucas Neal back? And the temptation for the European guys would have been to miss that one. But now, because it is a live rubber, they need to get a result. They'll all come back, and for them, Pim, it becomes a live World Cup warm-up again. Mm. And all we need is a draw, that's right, isn't it, draw. from the, from yeah, the yeah. final game? Because uh, Oman are playing Kuwait in the other game. So Kuwait and the Soccer have got eight points, Oman have got seven points. Um, so a draw, we'll see the Soccer through. Should be fine with that as well, I mean. Yeah, home game against Very surprised. Well, that's all the time we got for, is a, a com- comprehensive analysis of the game. And uh, we'll come back after the break and have a look at some of the news over the last couple of weeks. So join us then. All together now. Australian football legends John Cosmina and Kevin Muscat have come together for the first time since their headline-grabbing sideline stoush nearly three years ago to become very special members of the Green and Gold Army on tour at the 2010 FIFA World Cup. With over 100 Socceroos caps between them, Cosy and Muskie will be arm-in-arm with the Green and Gold Army in South Africa and you could be there with them enjoying the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's FIFA authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australia group stage games, four additional World Cup group stage games, transfers to and from games and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 75 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. Hi, I'm Carol Kissel of CBSC and you're listening to the 442 Insider Podcast. Back to the 442 Insider Podcast, and we're into the second half now. We're going to have a look at some of the news, not only from the last week, but from the uh, festive period as well. And probably the biggest uh, piece of news that took part while we were all off uh, sunning ourselves or whitening our teeth or looking after our dog's knee joints or something uh, was uh, Craig Moore shockingly leaving the Raw, would we say? Or was it always on the cards since... Um, Postacoglu took took over. I mean, I'm sure they'll probably find that you know that would be it'd be more of a shock to people on the outside looking in. But it, it looked like now what's come out, it looked like it was on the cards. Yeah, it seems that way. That you know, it was pretty obvious that there was a, a sort of bit of an inner clique there with Farina Moore, Tiato, Bob Malcolm, and Charlie Miller. And obviously with Miller going uh, when Farina went, um, this was probably on the cards from that point. I th- you know, I, I think respect to the club. You know, I, I'm, I thought it was handled really badly. I mean, I, I did not think that the CEO of the club really needed to be as specific as he was in the press release, where he said that Craig Moore had twice given him the ultimatum. Um, I suppose that, that the angle was that Moore's leaving, and he almost needs to get the fans behind Postacoglu. So I suppose that him doing that did show what was going on behind the scenes. But I just thought that was a bit of a bit unnecessary. They could have just said by mutual consent, you know. Um, 
people would have been able to read between which is how lines. Charlie Miller went yeah you know exactly. that was all just like suddenly exactly. his contract had been voided and he was off exactly yeah so um, I mean we've already seen the Gold Coast come in talking about they'd love to take him on um, it seems that the Gold Coast are quite happy to recreate the boys club there with the, <laughs> so we will see Bob Malcolm playing centre off for uh, for Gold Coast let's hope not um, <laughs> Yeah, so he's going to go and play for St Johnston, it looks like, for the remainder of the season. As we've just talked about in the Socceroos wind-up, not sure that's really going to prepare him for Germany, Serbia and Ghana, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but he is going to be playing at a decent level. Um, whether that's enough to get him into the World Cup starting eleven, we'll find out. Yeah, and, and Trev, you're, you're obviously uh, very, very close to Miron Blyberg, uh, possible Facebook friends. No, and, uh, we've been known to you on, together. Does he but... follow you on Twitter? Or? <laughs> no. Uh, obviously, Andy said that Gold Coast are potentially looking at Craig, and uh, Miron has come out and said, I personally have a lot of respect for Craig, and uh, because his standing with the Raw has now been sorted out, something we'll discuss. Do you think he'd uh, be a good fit for the Raw? Um, for Gold Coast, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, for the Gold Coast. Definitely. I, th- I think he can still do a job in the A-League. I think at times they've lacked that little bit of leadership at the back, uh, Gold Coast. So I think, you know, even next season, that'll still be a good um, a good purchase for them. In terms of, like, the Raw, I think they had discipline problems, didn't they? We talk about this boys' club, you know, when Farina was there and all the senior players and what have you. So I think they're, they're keen to break it up. And like we said before, Andy's keen to build a new team of young players. And there's so many good young players in Queensland. It's the most prolific state for you know producing top players so they're easily going to be able to build you know a good team it's about if you can get those young players consistent enough to win stuff so I think it's probably a a long-term plan for Ange and yeah you you do have to stick by your manager and and like the CEO said in his his comments you know no players bigger than the club and that sort of sends a message to everyone else who's playing in the rule yeah I can remember saying when when they were taught when Farina left and the CEO said that they were discussing the next coach with Craig Moore. And I was yeah, like, yeah. you know, that's just the wrong way around. You know, it's not the way it works. You know, you've got to back the coach. You've got to, you know, the coach has got to be the person, you know, where the buck stops, both from a good way and a negative way. But, you know, he's, the, the players have got to know that the coach is in control. Not that there's a, a little group of players that can go and get in the CEO's ear if they're not happy with what's happening. So I think fair play to, to the Raw for, for sticking up for that. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, it's a tale of two Griffiths. Uh, Joel Griffiths in a bit of a tug of love between uh, Newcastle and uh, Beijing Guan. Uh, still not sorted out about whether or not he's going to be playing for the, the Jets or moving over to uh, Beijing. Uh, PFA are now involved about uh, the, the possible deal that was in place uh, for $350,000, which was agreed in late December. Uh, but now Newcastle say that there's a, a breach of contract issue and they want him to come back and play for a couple of games. Uh, do we know who's in the right on that one, Trev, or is it just a bit of he said, she said? I think they're probably just trying to get as much money as they can for him, can't they? I'll, I'll be very surprised if he comes back and plays for the Jets again. Normally when you have situations like this, you know, there's a lot of to and fro and a lot of it goes through the media, but ultimately he'll end up at the club he, he'll want to play and I get the impression that he wants to be playing in Asia um, so yeah I'd, I, they'll strike a deal and you know Connor will probably get the money that he wanted to get for him it's interesting because time's ticking as well they need to uh, register him for January the 11th yeah, for the Asian Champions, Champions League, League. Um, so you know it's not like it's going to go on and on hopefully there'll be a, a conclusion to it but Andy do, where do you stand on it do you have sympathy for Joel not turning up to training or um, I don't know I mean it, you know not, nothing you know when we 
talk about the way Con runs his club. It's his club, he can run it how, how he wants, you know, but it just seems like there was a deal arranged and the situation has changed for the Jets, as in, you know, Vignarol is out for the season and it might actually help them for him to have a player like Joel Griffiths come back. But I guess, you know, it, it all determines, well, what's in writing? You know, if it was in writing that, that they, if they stumped up 350 grand and he was off, then I suppose I can sort of see Joel Griffiths' stance on this. But... Again, you know, we've seen this a few times. You know, we saw it with Archie Thompson, with Melbourne, you know, when he wanted to go to PSV. And they, yeah. don't, they don't always cover themselves with glory, these lads, you know. It, for me, it's better to, to come back, you know, be, because if you come back and you start training, but, you know, and you leave the people who are there to sort out the deal, to broker the deal, that you're doing nothing wrong, you know. Whereas the Jets are now trying to claim that Joel Griffiths is in breach of contract. It's another subplot to it that doesn't need to be there. If Joel Griffiths just turns up for training and lets yeah. his agent and Beijing sort it out with the Jets, it just adds another angle that Con can use to say, well, look at the player, he's not fulfilling his, his obligations. So I just think sometimes, I don't know whether they're badly advised, I don't know whether they're, they're advised enough. You know, maybe the PFA need to be taking a more sort of proactive role with these guys to say, look, this is the way you need to behave to, to get what you want out of it. And um, yeah. we've seen it a few times. And uh, yeah, so I think um, I think maybe you know some of the some of the agents involved probably need to um, to up the game a bit. Yeah, and one one Griffiths who is turning out to training is uh, Adam, who's uh, made a bit of a return and done a couple of uh, training sessions with Gold Coast United after uh, going over to Saudi Arabia and playing with Al-Shabaab, apparently in a deal worth uh, over a million bucks. Done well then over there, if he's coming back already. No no report there about why he's returned, but um, it looks like he's he's training with the Gold Coast and they're going to see how things go. Do you think that they could use a player like Griffiths, or are they, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I think it would be a good signing to get him back. I was a bit of a surprise that um, they let him go originally. Um, I don't know much about how he's been playing over there, but unless he's you know, genuinely unhappy with the lifestyle, it's probably not been going too well for him. He's got a bit of a payday, but he's, you know, it sounds from all things, you know, he's out training with the Gold Coast, so he's almost certainly going to come back. So you know, good for the Gold Coast, um, you know, not so good for his wallet, I wouldn't fall. No, but with Griffiths and Moore, maybe, yeah, that could be the, you know, a couple of players that could propel them into uh, that place, Andy, that we were talking about, you know, right up there with uh, Sydney and, and Melbourne. Yeah, it's that sort of strength in depth, you know, because uh, Vandenbrink's sort of been a bit hot and cold. He certainly started the season well, but has, has looked a bit susceptible. Uh, Christian Reese, I think, has been pretty solid for him. Um, but again, as you've seen, they've also got Michael Thwaite, who they've been playing in, in that defensive midfield role oh, that wow. can also play centre-half. And, and Adam Griffiths as well was, was playing that central, you know, holding midfield role for Newcastle, really, before he went to the Gold Coast. So just gives them that strength in depth. And it also gives them the potentially the platform to allow Kalina to play in a bit more advanced role in leading into the finals where that, where that could be um, could be significant. Yeah. Uh, moving on, another player movement. Uh, Eugene Daddy, Perth Glory, uh, has had his uh, contract terminated, for want of a better word, and he's now uh, joined the Wellington Phoenix. Your your favourite little team there, Trev. To Soft tell spot us, uh, him, yeah. Eugene would be a, a great addition to to the Phoenix side, especially uh, combining with uh, with Ifill. I just don't think he got given an opportunity at Perth this season, and they'd seen the previous season how useful he could be. Yeah. And you know, all right, you know they have got you know uh, Yelich and 
Sajowski and stuff, you know, they've got good players up there, but they have been no by no means winning every single game. They're only fifth in the league. So, you know, to be Perth and to be thrown away as Haddon like that, I just don't think that's a good idea. And he's also a very different player to the other striking options they've got. So I think, you know, you can incorporate him for, for certain games and, you know, against the Mariners where they're going to be more physical or something. So yeah. I think that's, they might look back on that as a mistake, but from the Phoenix point of view, a good signing, good timely signing as well. Um, is Green Anchor back from his injury? I know he was injured for a little bit, but, you know, that could be exactly the sort of player that's to, to take him into the finals. Yeah, and and good on Perth to to recognise that 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 the player was unhappy and you know give him a chance to go off somewhere else and play. Yeah, and I think the the return of sort of Jamie Harnwell, who plays that sort of target man role for them, has has made them sort of realise that he is completely surplus to requirements. Again, it's strange on that. He had a good good goal to game ratio. I mean, the interesting art of the story to this came out was when he daddy when he was interviewed came out and said that Wellington had had a word with him when he was over there. Uh, when Perth played over there earlier in the season, he wasn't even in the squad, but still travelled, and they had a word with him. And I was like, "Isn't that sort of tapping up <laughs> yeah, yeah. a little bit?" <laughs> but you know, it seems to be just the way things are done over in the A League, which is good. It's all it's all a bit more relaxed, isn't it? Yeah. People aren't as precious, are they, in contracts and stuff like that? No contracts. Don't worry about that, do you? Yeah. Um, over in Europe, Carl Valeri uh, finally getting his move uh, from Grosseto in. Uh, slightly roundabout uh, circumstances uh, from from our understanding and our report he, he did sign a two year contract extension with Grosseto but when the transfer window kicked in in January he's moved to uh, fellow Serie B team Sassuolo apologies for my Italian pronunciation but uh, he seems to be very happy about going over there but one, one thing that interested me in, in that was the way that the playoffs work in Serie B, that that they if his team doesn't win automatic promotion, the playoff games for promotion will be right when the Socceroos are playing their warm-up games. So there could be a, a potential conflict there. But it's it's good to see that uh, Trev, you mentioned him earlier on about him being you know like the the first choice, first second choice player for that uh, midfield role. Good to see that he's going to get some more regular football, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's acknowledged that in his comments as well. Um, you know, it's a World Cup year, so it's, it's sort of a different year to a lot of other ones where you might be more patient about breaking into a team. But when you know you need game time to make sure that you're at a World Cup, you tend to be a little bit more proactive with, with finding a club, and that looks like that's what he's done. So, you know, good news for soccer fans, fan, providing he actually gets game time there, because I quite like him as well. And again, it's an important position, that holding midfield one. He's 25 years old. He's playing in Italy, you know, if he can get some game time, then I think he stands a good chance of going to the World Cup and then four years later having his own place. And Addy, are you surprised that maybe he didn't look to go to a kind of a middling or struggling Serie A side? You know, was it a surprise that he... Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, you know, he's been talking about, you know, it's probably the worst kept secret, but, you know, he, he wanted to get out of there. Um, and yeah, I was a bit surprised that he didn't make the step up now into Serie A because you would have thought that there was there'd probably be a you know a middle to bottom half team that would look for a player like that. But but then you know he, he's linking up with a, with a coach that he's worked with before, um, which seemed to be this one of the major factors. And it, and it seems like they're quite an ambitious club and they've got a shot of getting promoted. So I guess maybe he's looking for a club with a bit of momentum to go up into Serie A with rather than join someone that's struggling and and you know go back got, down yeah. next year. Yeah. That's great stuff, lads. That was uh, just a snippet of the news uh, from our website, au.442.com. 
uh, constantly breaking loads of exclusives and interesting news, especially when Trevor and I aren't writing them. So uh, make sure you check it out on a regular basis to keep up on all you need to know. Join us after the break as we'll be looking at all the weekend's games in the Hyundai A-League. See you then. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. This month, we speak exclusively to Liverpool and England superstar Stephen Gerrard and Socceroo Luke Wilkshire as both look forward to the World Cup in South Africa. Our man Trev gets flown to Germany by Adidas for a first look at the official World Cup ball. And as a European transfer window opens, we look at some of the hottest property likely to be on the move, including Sergio Aguero, David Silva and Luis Fabiano. And if that wasn't enough, there's a free 2010 World Football Wall Planner to make sure you don't miss any important dates in this massive year of football. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast and we're in the home stretch now. Now we're going to have a look at uh, round 22 of the A-League, even though some round 19 games have yet to be played. So uh, uh, go figure on that one. But round 22 begins Saturday. Um, no Friday games. Wellington Phoenix against Brisbane Raw in Wellington. A 7 o'clock local, 5 p.m. Eastern time game. How do we see that one going? Wellington, a pretty decent team at home and obviously you know Brisbane are not a club in crisis but they're coming out of a crisis and there seems to be more drama than days of our lives there at the moment yeah Wellington win for me I think it'll be interesting if daddy if uh, daddy plays um, if they put him straight in because uh, I think as we're saying I'd, I'd like to see him and um, Eiffel up front I think that would that be, be a, a paternity test <laughs> could be <laughs> that's <laughs> so bad <laughs> so well, bad that's I should um, yeah, and also it'd be interesting to see who we'll bring in in place of Craig Moore. I'm presuming McLoggan will come in and play alongside Devere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that'll be quite interesting. You know, new new defensive partnership for the Raw, new attacking partnership for Phoenix. Phoenix win. Hmm. It's a really important game. We're talking about you know the bolts of the final. This is seventh versus sixth. Yeah. So this is a really big game for Wellington have been so good at home they'll fancy themselves to win it and yeah I'm sure they will I wonder how deep at, at Brisbane the problems are with Ange and how that's going to affect results I mean Moore's gone you know I'd imagine he would have been in the ear of a few other players I bet there's a few, quite a few players that aren't happy there so you know that could set a terrible run of results off but yeah definitely Wellington at home but the other side is that you don't always know what it was like there with that you know that you, it might have the opposite effect that all of a sudden you get all of these other players that step up and start taking a bit of responsibility and exerting themselves and and imposing themselves where they couldn't before because there was this one dominant player there you know a bit like Man United when Roy Keane you know it's like Keane, Keane then leaves and then all of a sudden other people then have to step up and, yeah. and you find leaders from elsewhere. You well, know, Josh so. McLoggan was club captain before yeah. Greg Moore came along. So, yeah. um, you know, there are natural leaders there already. So uh, uh, we'll see how that one goes. Central Coast Mariners play North Queensland Fury in the second game on uh, Saturday, 7 o'clock local time kickoff. Uh, Central Coast have lost their previous five games and are avoiding, uh, aiming to avoid being the only club to lose six on the trot. New card, what was it? New New Zealand Knights. You can't really have like worst. I think they've got most of the records, haven't they? So you have to sort of take yeah. it out when new records are made. Um, Where, it, where's it all gone wrong, Trev? I don't know. It's strange, isn't it? That they just have these, you know, real freak results, don't they? 
and you know this is not exactly a game that necessarily gets you interested but you know Mariners Fury but this is one you know that are really fancy to put themselves back on track you know home to you know arguably one of the, well definitely one of the poorer teams um, in the league and I think they'll they'll pick up a win there you know the whole thing that their dual win doesn't always work but I think they are dual yeah. win I think they'll get one there and ever since you said that you could, you knew how to predict Central Coast Mariners games <laughs> one win one loss one draw consistently they've well, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna win two and then draw two now uh, yeah okay all right to we'll, get it level we'll, we'll visit that one again when they have to win five and lose it's not, five I'm not sure there's enough games left <laughs> <laughs> and do you agree with uh, Trent's uh, analysis no I, I actually think that you know this is a massive game for both sides and also a massive chance for Fury you know they've just got a win at home to, to one of the favourites um, and they're going away to a team that have lost their last five games who a few weeks ago were in third you know, this is a real opportunity for Fury to put themselves right back in the finals mix. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tip Fury. Yeah. I'm going to tip Fowler to break his little mini drought. You've had a few, you know, out of left field bets on Fury this season. So hmm. I think turned I out to be Fury right. to beat Melbourne. We <laughs> rewind December the 18th. I think I said I fancied Fury to Nick. Get a rewind there. Yeah. Uh, Bo Selector. Um, the... Last game on Saturday, Gold Coast United against Adelaide. And uh, looking at this game as well, it really does seem as though another defining game in, in possibly both team seasons. You know, a win for Gold Coast could see them, you know, solidly into the into the playoff picture. And, you know, a loss for Adelaide could see them, you know, really cut adrift at the bottom. They're, so. they're gone if they lose this Adelaide. And I, I think they probably will as well. Gold Coast are on such good form. As it's saying, your, your helpful notes on our scripts this week. They're, they're no, so you've included them this. So yeah, yeah, I meant, to, I meant to delete them out. Oh, did you? I mean, <laughs> just read them, read them out and seem really intelligent. But. So, yeah, obviously, you know, as the notes say, that they're going for their fifth consecutive um, A-League win. And, you know, they're on fire at the moment. They'll really fancy them chances at home to Adelaide. Hopefully, those uh, 10,000 odd people that went to the game last week and saw them win 5-1 might be back for more. And the thing to do is not say, as the notes say, just say it as if, you you, you know, it's your own one. And ah, you know, and I'm learning. And make it seem as though you're thinking about it, like you're pulling it out of the vault. Uh, well, uh, unless I'm much mistaken. Yeah, I think it is. I uh, think you'll find. Gold Coast uh, win, Andy? Are yeah, you going to go for that as well? Definitely. I don't know what the situation with Kalina's knee is, whether he's fit. Or... I think it's in this other news story. Yeah, he's fit, fit, so he's yeah. playing. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's uh, as bolt on a home win as the A-League can deliver. <laughs> Which go. means two it could be any result, yeah. <laughs> Um, Sunday sees Newcastle Jets against Melbourne Victory, a fourth place against second. And if if I'm not wrong here, I think <laughs> the Jets are aiming for their third home match win in a row against Melbourne. Mm. I was thinking from my vault, I was thinking that the Jets normally give them a hard time, yeah. and they might they might just do it again there. So. And 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 I think that the Jets haven't won three consecutive home matches since uh, their championship winning season of 0708, Andy. <laughs> I think you might be right. Um, <laughs> How do you see that one? Yeah, going? this this is this has probably got the potential to be the best game of the round. I think because um, the Jets obviously are are strong at home. They play decent football. Melbourne coming off the back of a a surprise one 0 defeat where they performed awfully all across the pitch. So they'll want to get back to winning ways. So I think this could be um, a pretty open game. I think you'll see both sides go for it. I possibly tip high score and draw. Two all. I Fair think enough. a draw seems likely, but I might have a feeling that Melbourne might edge it. I think they're going to be keen to make sure Sydney don't get away from them. So, yeah, a draw is most likely, but if I was going to pick a winner, I 
might say Melbourne. Mm. And rounding out what what I think now, having looked back at all the games, is probably the the A League's best round so far. I think uh, on the strength of all the games, we've got Perth Glory against Sydney FC uh, out in Perth on the west side, uh, seven o'clock uh, Eastern kickoff, four o'clock local, and uh, Sydney haven't conceded a goal in four matches. And going for the A-League record? Yeah, they don't, they don't generally perform very well over in Perth, though. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a bit of a dodgy ground for them there. I can't remember them really winning there, maybe since season two when Zankovic scored. Yeah. I think they won 4-2 there. Carboni, Carboni and, scored on yeah. first game or something, wasn't it? Yeah, so, but, but by and large, they don't go there and perform very well. So again, yeah, this is an important game for Sydney FC because they're now top. Um, you know, a win here, particularly when we're talking about Melbourne going to Newcastle and, and maybe, you know, sort of struggling there. If Sydney can, can scrape a win in this, then that really establishes themselves, I think, to take the minor premiership. Um, or I shouldn't say the minor premiership. It's the, it's the premier, say, premier yes. plates, isn't it? Don't say minor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, big test, Sydney FC. And, and you know, again, as we talked about with the Mariners, you know, it, it's no secret that the Mariners uh, rise coincided with them not giving away goals, you know, and if you can eradicate the basic sort of mistakes, the individual errors that, that we do see a lot of in the A-League, we see a lot of goals given away by individual errors. We saw it today in the Socceroos, we saw the A-League boys give away goals at international level because of basic mistakes and if you can eradicate those on a consistent basis in the A-League, you, you're not going to lose many games and that, that's the key, I think, and Sydney seemed to have done that. Um, Again, if they can go and do that in Perth, which they haven't been able to do before, you know, we'll see whether their uh, their title credentials are there. I think they'll go there looking for a point, Sydney. They'll certainly take it. That'll be a decent result. They'll try and keep it tight. They've got the defence to do it, but I think Perth will edge them out one 0 which I think might have been the score in the same fixture early in the season. Yeah, if you're not, uh, if you're not, not, I haven't got notes on that, so it's very possible that that's wrong. Yeah, okay. Well, that's all the time we got for in our reviews or previews, should I say? But uh, before we go, we've got a new issue we have. Of, uh, of the magazine out. Uh, went on sale yesterday. Stevie G. With uh, Stevie G on the front. Um, Andy, tell us a little bit about Stevie G. Who, who yeah, it's good for? to see that England are uh, learning from their mistakes of 2006 and are taking a backward seat with Stephen Gerrard talking about having a World Cup winner's medal on a beach in July. <laughs> uh, John Terry's also come out this morning and said, yeah, we're definitely one of the teams that can win it. It's like, shut up. Yeah. Um, Call the so yeah, yeah, Gerrard yeah, talking about the World Cup, obviously talking about a disappointing season with Liverpool. Trev? Finally, uh, people will get to read your words for you know, after having to listen Jubilani to Jubilani Army. Jubilani Army I stuff. I know, six pages on a ball. Will it be interesting? So I love it, isn't it. I'll let you be the judge. Producer Simon is nodding. We saw him. I saw him flicking, flicking it through. Yeah. And the pictures of all the World Cup balls. Tango, still the best. Definitely. Timeless classic. Without yeah, reminisce on all the old balls as well. Yeah. And obviously, uh, Luke um, Wilkshire piece in there as well. There's a, there's a little bit of Luke Wilkshire in there and a the video Shire. video online <laughs> with uh, Luke taking the uh, crossbar challenge. Uh, go to 442Tube to check out that. And finally in the magazine, with the transfer window open, we have a look at uh, the 10 players who could be moving on in the transfer window. If anyone's got any money to afford them. Exactly. Financial crisis, apparently. All that rubbish. Well, that's all the time we got for. Uh, go out and uh, buy your copy of 442. Keep us in the job. Keep us in the podcast. 
and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks very much for listening. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.